Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Renewing the Center. We're going to be continuing our journey through the book of Luke. Goodness, it's been um, quite a while that we have been marching through and I am truly enjoying these texts uh, and the reflections I hope you have as well. So I'm going to read Luke 11, uh, beginning in verse 29 uh, through to 44, and then we'll pray and move, uh, move into some reflection space. When the crowds were increasing, he began to say, this generation is an evil generation. It asks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so the Son of Man will be to this generation. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them because she came from the ends of the earth to listen to the wisdom of Solomon and see something greater than Solomon is here. The people of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the proclamation of Jonah and see something greater than Jonah is here. No one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar, but on a lampstand so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if it is not healthy, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, consider whether the light in you is not darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, with no part of it in darkness, it will be as full of light as when a lamp gives you light with its rays. While he was still speaking, a Pharisee invited him to dine with him. So he went in and took his place at the table. The Pharisee was amazed to see that he did not first wash before dinner. Then the Lord said to him, Now you, Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness, you fools. Did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? So give for alms those things that are within, and see everything will be clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and herbs of all kinds and neglect the justice and love of God. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love to have the seat of honor in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without realizing it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Bible. Jesus, we're so thankful for your words, even here when they are hard, um, challenging words. We pray, God, that as we step further into this Advent season, we pray for your grace, God. We pray that you would hold um, a call to preparation before us, that we might say yes. We ask, God, and we pray for your renewing work to occur in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as we continue... Our journey into the Advent season, we see a passage that looks nothing like Christmas. In our last episode where we set up this season, we said Advent is not a time to rush to Christmas. It's actually an opportunity for us to repent, to consider the state of our lives, and that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. So this is very much on brand for Advent. So let's let's hold the season. This The invitation in the season is to be ready, to be prepared, and that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. So the first thing I want us to hear is that Jesus is becoming popular. The passage that we read today, it begins with this idea of crowds increasing. So what does Jesus do when the crowds are increasing? Does he pander? Uh, does he come up with new gimmicks, new ways to appease and make people uh, excited and to get the word out? Does he build a brand? He does not. He calls the crowds evil. <laughs> and I just laugh because I think, 
this just seems like Jesus is being a contrarian. And I just want to say, y'all, I don't think he's trying to be mean. As we shall see here, Jesus is pressing us in order to get us to pay attention to the hidden parts of our lives and our motives for following him. The crowds wanted a sign. And Jesus says, no sign is going to be given to you except the sign of, of Jonah. They want exciting things. They've heard Jesus performs miracles. They want miracles. They want the good stuff. They want the crowd-pleasing stuff. And I will say, sure, there are exciting aspects to following God. I've experienced his comfort. I've experienced his power, seen him move in miraculous ways. But here Jesus calls those people and us to consider what we are meant to do with the light of God. He's calling us to consider our motivation for following him in the first place. So Jesus begins to speak of a light. And he asks the question, do we hide the light, the gift of God, in a dark place? And of course we don't. We put it on a lampstand so that it illuminates the entire household. And then Jesus begins to speak to us about our eyes. So after challenging our motivation for following, he, he says, the eye is the gateway to the body. And if the eye is light, then what's inside is bright. If the eye is dark, then what's outside and inside is dark. How do we engage with this gateway? I think there's an invitation here for you and me as we walk through the Advent season and we think about what it means to clear the driveway, to repent. I think our eyes have something to do with it. With our eyes, we choose what to look at. We choose what to read. We choose what to consider as we engage the external world around us. Your eyes matter. What you give yourselves to, what you see, it matters. It shapes us. And I love Jesus' statement about the gateway and then what's behind the gateway internally then is really what God cares about. And he said, if your eyes are dark, then what's inside is dark. Here he's talking about sin. And specifically, he's talking about the focus of our lives as it relates to sin. And listen, y'all, I'm not inviting us to become fundamentalist or legalistic in some way that's counterproductive. And yet, to ignore Jesus' teaching about our eyes, about the gateways and the places of gateway living, is to ignore Jesus, is to not listen to him. I think Jesus here is inviting us to think about our focus, to think about what we give our eyes to. And as Paul would say, he's inviting us to think on those things that are lovely and of good report. At the end of the day, y'all, what's inside you matters. Your inner life matters. And ultimately, your outer life will manifest the contents of your inner life. And I believe that that's really important. Uh, we live in a world where we are almost subconsciously always cultivating an external image through social media. But y'all, this isn't just about social media. This is a human nature thing. The, the Pharisees at the time of Jesus were preening, were cultivating an external image that did not match their insides, and Jesus called them out. So of course he's going to call us out. Of course, during this Advent season, he's going to invite us to think about not just the image we project, not just the words that we say, the things that we post, the things that we want everyone to see, the carefully curated parts of our lives. He also wants us to pay attention to, primarily pay attention to, what's inside, what's hidden, what no one sees. Because God sees. And so Jesus says here, your inner life matters. And then to reinforce that, he walks into dinner and doesn't wash his hands. <laughs> Kids, this is not an example uh, from Jesus about why you don't need to clean your hands before dinner. 
Um, I remember hearing um, one of my kids mention that when they were really small. And I thought, mm, not what Jesus is getting at. What he's doing here is he's driving the point home. Washing your hands was ceremonial. It, it meant something to Pharisees, to Jews. It was an act of uh, piety, um, not just an act of mitigating germs. And so Jesus, after saying your insides matter, he walks into dinner with a Pharisee, a religious leader, a religious elite, and he doesn't wash his hands. And he stirs up a controversy. He speaks of the futility of external acts of service and piety if it's disconnected from inner devotion and piety. So if we act like we are something that we're not, it matters not, it's futile. And then he uses a cup as an example. He would say it's counterintuitive to clean only the outside, the visible part of a cup, and leave the inside gross and covered with slime. So he says, why do we do this with our lives? So often we live under the illusion that our insides don't really matter. Or maybe we live under the fear that we can't see our insides change. So we settle for so much less. Advent is a time for you and me to look at the inside of the cup, to look at the hidden parts of us, the invisible parts of us, and not try to clean those things up in our own power, but invite the light of God into those places so that God can work healing and restoration and renewal, specifically so that God can renew us at our center so that God could do the work of cleaning and healing and restoring the parts of us that no one sees. And so what Jesus uses here is, is an example. He says, tithing and serving without humility and love of God is worthless. It's interesting to note that Jesus isn't here saying that spiritual practices are unimportant. He actually says, woe to you Pharisees for you tithe mint and rue and herbs of all kinds and neglect the justice and love of God. Hear this, it is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. So what Jesus is saying is, do the things that are right, but have those right actions line up with inside devotion, holiness, love of God. The Lord is calling us now to tend to that which no one else sees. Because ultimately, the stuff everybody sees will match what nobody sees. Our insides and our outsides usually converge. So I think what Jesus is doing here is compelling. He's asking us to look at the inside. And to make the point even more provocative, he moves from a dirty cup to an unmarked grave. The passage ends with Jesus raising the stakes. But here's the great irony. Jesus suggests that many of us have hidden death in us. But earlier on, he was calling us to have hidden life in us. You are meant to have hidden parts of your life with God. There are parts of my relationship with the Lord that I don't turn outward. I don't podcast about or preach sermons or write reflections on. They're just between me and the Lord. There are places where I know that God is calling me to cultivate hiddenness with him. What I love about the inside of the body versus the outside and now cups and graves is that Jesus is saying it's inevitable that you and me, that we will have hidden parts of us. What he says is, What's in those hidden places, that's what's up for grabs. So today, where is life working in you in hidden ways? Where is death working in you? Jesus is essentially inviting us to cultivate life in the inner parts so that our outward living, our manifesting, will be something born 
of what God is already doing on the inside. God bless you. I pray that he would give you the courage to look inside and to trust him that he can bring his light to bear into the places that are less than life in you and in me. God bless you. See you soon.